Welcome to Taiwan Report News Brief, news and analysis from Taiwan. I'm Donovan Smith. All right, up today on the show, a new locally developed jet trainer has its first official flight in Taichung. The administration's control yuan picks are criticized by all three major opposition parties. Taiwanese identity and independence views are shifting surprisingly fast. Johnny Chang is taking a lot of flack over the 92 consensus removal proposal. Finally, the KMT TPP candidates for Kaohsiung mayor have been announced, and it's shaping up to be an interesting race indeed. But first up, the South China Sea has seen a lot of activity. Taiwanese Marines have been temporarily deployed to the Pratis or Dongsha Islands in the South China Sea amid reports that the Chinese military plans to conduct drills in the area in August, a Ministry of National Defense official confirmed on Monday. The official said a number of Marines are on the Pratis Islands for, the, for what the official described as a training mission. He said the mission will only last a short amount of time. Taiwan is considering plans to deploy military dirigibles off offshore islands. The blimps could be used for reconnaissance and surveillance purposes on the Pengjia Islet in the East China Sea and the Dongsha Islands in or Pratas Islands in the South China Sea. The Ministry of National Defense is studying those currently in service in the U.S., Singapore and the Philippines. The U.S. Navy is now operating three aircraft carriers in the Pacific in what appears to be a strong show of force following Chinese movements and comments regarding Taiwan and the South China Sea. Finally, in other military news, a Taiwanese Defense Research Institute has agreed to work with Microsoft Taiwan on seeking technological applications in national defense. After nearly a year of dynamic and static testing, the Brave Eagle Advanced Jet Trainer has made its first official flight at a special ceremony on, in, on Monday morning at Qingchenggang Air Force Base here in Taichung. President Tsai Ing-wen, who presided over the event, said it was a validation of the government's policy of strengthening indigenous defense. The Brave Eagle was built by Taichung-based and government-owned Aerospace Industrial Development Corp over three years at a cost of 66.8 billion NT and is expected to go into mass production by March 2022. They plan to build 66 of them by 2026. Pilots who train on the Brave Eagle, which has a fully digitized cockpit, will be able to switch seamlessly to training on the F-16V, which Taiwan has ordered 66 of from the United States. The Brave Eagle is also capable of providing air support against hostile targets as it can carry missiles and bombs. And that was a lot of 66s in one report. All right, moving on. All three of the major opposition parties have attacked the Tsai administration's picks for control yuan. Quote, the entire control yuan has been painted green, KMT Culture and Communications Committee Chairwoman Alicia Wong said at a news conference. They questioned whether the agency would be able to remain impartial given that many of the nominees have ties to the ruling DPP. The new Power Party caucus yesterday said that it would strictly review President Tsai Ing-wen's control UN nominees. They also reiterated their call to propose a draft constitutional amendment to abolish the control UN and the executive UN. 
a local media now news reported uh, report the reported that the Taiwan Power Party criticized the appointees as being political patronage awards. Now, the incoming head of the control yuan, Chen Zhu, has resigned from the DPP and will conduct no political activities while in the role in a nod to impartiality. The the TPP's Biru criticized Chen's move, saying Chen had pulled down her pants to fart, a phrase meaning to do something totally unnecessary. She added, quote, everyone knows she is a DPP big shot. According to some recent polls, Taiwanese identity and independence views are shifting fast. Over on the blog, Frozen Garlic is an excellent piece entitled Recent Changes in National Identity, which is linked to on our site report.tw. In it, he analyzes the latest Taiwan election and democratization study conducted or their poll conducted in March. In it, the percentage identifying themselves as Taiwanese only has risen to 70.3%, with a combined number of people choosing both Taiwanese and Chinese or just Chinese only at 26.4%. Here is what the froze had to say about this. From 2016 to 2019, with the exception of the two late 2018 surveys, at President Tsai's nadir, the, exclu- the exclusive Taiwanese line is consistently between 55 and 60 percent. In December 2019, right before President Tsai won re-election in a landslide, 60.9 percent of respondents identified as exclusively Taiwanese. Three months later, in March 2020, that number skyrocketed to 70.3. We have seen some large shifts before, but those were all changes within the historical range of outcomes. 70% is completely unprecedented. This is a big deal. We don't know if this number will stay so high, go even higher, or drift down to more familiar territory. If it does turn out to be a lasting change, it will affect Taiwan's political environment in profound ways. We'll have to wait to see about that. So I completely agree, and I highly recommend you read the whole article. Up next is the latest Taiwanese Public Opinion Foundation poll. In it, 54% said they support Taiwanese independence, 23.4% favored maintaining the status quo, 12.5% supported unification with China, and about 10% gave no response or were unsure. Of those who favored the status quo, 44.1% say they would back independence if pushed, 33.6% said they would continue to support the status quo, and 22.3% said they would back unification. Recalibrating the results using the breakdown of the status quo supporters showed that 64.4% of respondents ultimately supported Taiwanese independence, 7.9% backed the status quo, and 17.8% favored unification with China. Foundation Chairman Michael Yeo said, In my research on public surveys on these issues over the past 30 years, this is the highest rate of support among Taiwanese for independence, and he, and he added, it is also the lowest figure for people supporting unification with China. Respondents were asked about Beijing having reiterated its resolve to invade Taiwan to deter movement toward independence and other threats, including Chinese aircraft intruding into Taiwan's air defense identification zone. 
43% of respondents said they were afraid that China would attack Taiwan, while 55% said they were not concerned. Now, there are some things about this poll that don't jibe with results of other polls, which mostly show status quo is supported by a significant majority. There was another poll not too long ago that showed over 80% support keeping the name Republic of China and that most people were afraid of China. I don't know how accurate any of these polls are, though the TEDS poll I started this segment with is highly respected, but there are still some takeaways to be had here. A sharp uptick in identifying as Taiwanese in one poll and a sharp uptick in support for independence compared to past polls seem to confirm the ground has shifted. The big question in my mind is that is this another peak or will it recede a little bit over the next few years or will both continue to rise? The long-term trend has been consistent. Support for both independence and Taiwanese identity has been rising. However, there are peaks, like around the Sunflower Movement, then a minor decline for a while. Then support starts rising again. That both have seen such a sharp spike is very interesting, but such large jumps are often fickle. However, the situation right now has also changed dramatically, which kind of warrants larger shifts in opinion. And that brings me to KMT Chair Johnny Chang's quest to rid the KMT of the widely unpopular 1992 consensus. He paid a visit to ex-president and former chair Ma Ying-jeou, but Ma remains opposed to the plan. A veritable who's who of party big shots have come out against him on this publicly, but with some notable exceptions. Eric Chu, or Zhu Liluan, he equivocated, saying, quote, the KMT is working hard on reform, and during this period, Johnny Chang is enduring hardship. Everyone can put forth different opinions to come to a consensus, and we should give more encouragement to the reform committee. Now, Chu is being practical here, leaving his options open. He is widely tipped as a potential candidate for chair in May 2021, and he has already started a reform platform. The However, the other big name I haven't seen mentioned in the news on this issue is the KMT's most popular politician by far, New Taipei Mayor Hoyoi. Johnny Chang has announced he is going on a two-month grassroots tour to explain the Reform Committee's proposal, including the cross-strait part, and to try to get more people on board. On September 6th, the reform proposals will be voted on. Both the KMT and the TPP have announced their candidates in the upcoming Kaohsiung mayoral by-election. The KMT, in spite of reports saying they wouldn't pick a city councilor, did just that, picking Jane Lee or Lee Mayton. By KMT standards, at age 41, she is barely out of diapers. According to KMT Secretary General Li Qianlong, Li was selected from about 10 potential candidates because of her ability to attract independent and young voters, as well as her support in various districts and from people with different educational backgrounds. Next news suggested she was backed by former KMT mayor Dan Hangguoyu's wife, Li Jiafen. She holds a master's degree from the Institute of Mainland Studies, oh, sorry, Mainland Chinese Studies at National Sun Yat-sen University. Her campaign has gotten off to a rough start, though. Her father, the current chairman of the Kaohsiung Fruit and Vegetable Marketing Company, 
former city councillor and mayor of Sanjong, came out on TV and said he wouldn't be stumping for her on stage and said DPP candidate Chen Chi Mai is not a bad guy, specifically Ren Butuo. Now, that is very curious as both father, father and daughter are both known to be close to former KMT mayor Dan Hanguoyu. Meanwhile, the TPP will be represented by Kaohsiung City Councilor Jean Weijung. This is interesting because he is currently representing the People's First Party in the City Council. It is also interesting because previously the TPP had floated the idea of cooperating with the KMT in the by-election and had suggested they probably wouldn't be able to find a suitable candidate of their own by the, by, in time for the by-election. Now, this defection is the latest in a string of pan-blue defections to the TPP camp. The party seems to be positioning itself more and more as a more pro-Taiwan, light-blue alternative to the KMT. I expect if Johnny Chang fails in his quest to reform the KMT, we'll start to see a lot more similar defections. However, I digress. The entrance of a TPP candidate is a bit of a wild card. I'll be very curious to see how it impacts the race. With no polling yet, it's unclear if he has a shot at winning. It's also possible he could play the spoiler, which happened in legislative races in the last election. For example, tipping my district back to the KMT away from independent Hong Ziyong in a very close race. I'll be watching this race with considerable interest. Now, there's been a kind of an upgrade on our website. We're still tinkering with it a bit, but you can check it out. It's report.tw, and there's a lot, all the English language articles that I used as sources for this report, and some other stuff I thought you'd find interesting are all there on the website. So check out our new design. And of course, again, hit like, subscribe, all that good stuff, and tune in tomorrow. This has been brought to you by the Taiwan Report. For more content like this, become our patron at report.tw. Hey, 